Renegades. Check it out. I want to let you know something. Before I had a podcast, I so badly wanted a podcast, but my brain with all of its thinking thoughts was like, you don't know how to do that. And that sounds like a lot of work. Well, guess what? It wasn't once I found out about Anchor. Anchor allows for you to record your podcast. It's super easy. You just use their platform. They distribute it to all of your other platforms like Apple, Spotify, Stitch. And um, let me tell you, one thing I did learn, there's a lot of platforms out there and you do not want to sit around taking your time uploading your episodes one by one. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast from your phone. Right now, I'm recording this from my phone. Not to mention the tools like the music, like intro music and little sound effects. Like, how fun is that? It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go now. If you're at least, if you've ever thought, I want a podcast, I'm telling you, it's really this e- easy. Anchor.fm. Go to the Anchor app on your phone or go to anchor.fm and make it happen. I did it. You can definitely do it. What is going on, my friends? You've just tuned into Dressing Room Confessions, episode number seven. I mean, I can't think of a better episode or a better podcast for you to be listening to than this one, where I interview my daughter, Faith. She is 15, going on 16 in just a few weeks. And I talk to her about depression and anxiety and body image issues, cutting, a few other things in there, how we've handled that, or maybe how I wasn't handling it because I was in denial that my daughter could be experiencing such things. Pretty insightful, zero solutions offered, just how we dealt with it. I also wanted to let you guys know as my listeners to head on over to my website, www.ashleymkelsch.com. I just put together an offer for a power hour coaching session. I know most of the time when you sign up to hire a coach, it's a program, but I don't think people realize how impactful a one hour session can be when your mind is spinning out or you're just having one of those days and you don't want to call your girlfriends because our girlfriends, God love them, they have an agenda. And we don't want to go to therapy because God knows that's always back to our parents and our past. And it's like dysfunction to function. Like we're good. We're fine. We just need to get a a mental shift. And in a one hour coaching session, you can do that. And I can do that with you. Think of it like this. You're having a mental emergency and you want to call 911 but you're gonna call me for the 411 and it's gonna be information. And by the end of the hour, you will have some relief. You will be able to shift the way that you see what's going on and you'll be able to have some actionable steps. That's right, in just one hour. It will blow your mind. Head to my website, book your one hour session with me. www.ashleymkelsch.com. Enjoy this podcast. You are listening to Dressing Room Confessions, an intimate conversation about life in all of its glorious mess. Oh my God, that sounds so generic. Please. This is your host, Ashley Kelsch. Each week, we will be going behind the curtain and we will uncover to discover just what keeps all of us moving forward, even though we don't want to sometimes. Can you tell? 
Can y'all tell which one's me and not me? So, yes, you have tuned in to Dressing Room Confessions, where today I will be interviewing my sweet, sweet daughter, Miss Faith Gentile. And she loves, loves to do her, uh, well, she loves to mimic me by using her mom voice. I don't even know if that's what you call it. Is it called the mom voice? I just, I just say that it's your voice. Oh, it's just... It's just you. <laughs> but if you were, like, if you were to tell someone else... I'm going to do this voice impression. What would you say? I would say it's my mom's voice. Okay, so so that's that. Oh, I'll let all of you listeners decide if that sounds like me. I'm pretty sure it doesn't sound like I've had me. a lot of people tell me it does. Interesting. <laughs> I've never talked to those people, nor do I care to. <laughs> so today, Miss Faith. Yes. I want to talk to you because I feel like you could give such great insight to all of the other moms and dads out there that listen about what it's like to be a 15, 16 year old girl in the year 2019, whatever that may mean. I just know that that statement alone, a 15 or 16 year old in 2019 is something that we've never experienced. Yeah. We don't know what that life is like. Yeah. We didn't have social media growing up like you do. We didn't have cell phones from an early age like you do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We had landlines. Oof, that's a rip. <laughs> wait, wait, what's a rip? Like rip, like rest in peace. Oh, not like but you it's got like, ripped it's off? It's a dead meme. It's a dead meme, so you're not like supposed to say it, but like, you know, you just didn't have a phone, so that's sad. Okay, dead meme, I'm assuming means... That's no longer something we would like to use because it's not cool now. Exactly. Okay, so be careful what you choose to pick up from this podcast <laughs> to look cool in front of your kids with because I can guarantee you when you start using um, any sort of statement that they might have used a month ago, they'll look at you and tell you you're lame. That's very true. Oh, I know. I yeah. live that every day. <laughs> I live that every day. Uh, okay, so back to, the, back to the point of this podcast is to talk to you and I really just want to address like three topics yeah. in your life that you've dealt with. God knows we could go over so many more, but today we, let's just keep it to depression, anxiety, yep. uh, cutting as a coping mechanism mm-hmm. and uh, body image issues. Yeah. Oh wait. And then we also could talk about school and the pressure you feel oh, there because yeah. that is a real deal, right? Um, okay, so then we will start with depression. Okay. And you tell us a little bit about when that started okay. and why you think it happens or anything you want to share with us. Okay, well, I remember always being a little, like, I remember always being told, like, I'm such a happy kid. Mm-hmm. Who told you that? Just, like, every parent of all my friends, like, would always say that I'm such a happy kid and that kind of stuff. Like, I was always smiling and giggling and laughing. And then just at a certain point, like, fifth or sixth grade, I started to, like, notice that I wasn't feeling like that anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, I just wasn't smiling as much. I wasn't laughing. Like, I just, I kind of was more reserved with that kind of stuff. Um, And around seventh grade, I was like, okay, there's definitely something wrong. Like, I'm barely happy anymore like I'm definitely not how I normally am at this point and I like started hearing more about depression and I was like 
yeah, that kind of seems like how I am, but, you know, I'm in seventh grade, I'm like, what, 12? So nobody's gonna believe me if I say anything, so I might as well not. Um, and then in eighth grade, that's when I was like, yeah, I need to talk to somebody about this, you know, it's getting kind of hard. And so I told you a couple times, and I don't blame you, of course, for like not like realizing how bad it was, mm -hmm. because I wasn't telling you the full side of it. Mm -hmm. I was just telling you, oh, I'm really sad. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, that's okay, like sometimes we feel sad, you know? Mm -hmm. And I wasn't just like, I'm not happy anymore. I wasn't telling you like things I was doing as coping mechanisms, you know? Mm -hmm. I was just being like, I'm just sad. Right. What's really, um, I don't even know what the word for it is because what was going on for me at the time was I remember in eighth grade because you started at a different school, mm -hmm. uh, that series, The 13 Reasons Why, became like a very popular show mm -hmm. and it talked about depression and anxiety and my impulse thought was, oh, this is just kind of like a trendy thing. Yeah. Like this is all kids at that age, the hormones kick in and it's just kind of cool to be like doom and gloom and sad and depressed. And, um, and I'm going to date myself and say like, that's like what the goth kids yeah. or the emo kids were into. And so I kind of thought like, this is just sort of a trend. It's going to pass. We all feel sad. Yeah. And now, clearly now I can look back and see that, um, there was that thought, but there was also like a level of denial. Yeah. I think there was a piece of it where I was like, kids don't get depressed. Like, how could you be depressed? And that's why, like, I'm not mad for you not, like, really understanding it. It's because, like, you don't want to think about your kids as, like, depressed when mm -hmm. they're so young. Mm -hmm. Or, like, at all, even. You don't want to think, like, oh, why are they thinking like that? Why do they feel that? You just want them to be happy. Right. Well, yeah, of course, like, you want that for your kids, but it's like you forget to stop and think back about when you were a kid and what that was like and, like, mm -hmm. the sadness that you felt and how real that was yeah. or when you were having dark thoughts, like, how depressed you could get. Yeah. For sure. But as a parent, I think sometimes we we definitely forget to look back and look upon our own experiences and then also because there's this but wait am I not doing enough am I not making you happy and you make it about yourself which I've, I've obviously apologized to you for several times yeah. because I do that I make everything about me we're human that's what humans do but I had to like separate myself from that and realize like oh no this is actually a problem yeah like my daughter doesn't want to leave her room she doesn't mm -hmm. want to socialize with certain people uh, the emotions started to get really high and I, I did start to question whether or not you, because it also another thing that was going on was a lot of girls were starting to cut themselves and you had yeah. friends doing that. Yeah. And you would confide in me that they were doing that, but you said that you were not doing that. Yeah. A part of me was really scared to tell you that. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't want to, like I already was trying to tell you that I was depressed, but I didn't want to go that far. I never intended on telling you that I was cutting at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, oh, if I tell her, it's going to be, like, in 50 years or something. <laughs> or, like, you know, because, like, I just didn't want to disappoint you. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to make you feel sad. Mm -hmm. So, like, a part of it was, like, I'm feeling sad, but I don't want to make her feel sad. And then I was putting extra weight on myself because I was like, I can't talk to her about this. I don't know who to talk to. Oh, I can talk to my friends. Oh, they're all cutting. Who can I get help from? 
Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And this is around the time that, that we started seeing a therapist. Or yeah. you did. So you could talk to somebody. And that was before you told me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even tell them about it. Right. I didn't tell them until after I told you. Which is also ironic because you knew going in there that he wasn't, that you could tell him anything and he couldn't tell Except me. Except for that I couldn't tell him that I was self-harming because then he had to tell you. Mm. I think that's an important, important key thing that parents understand is that their kids know a lot more than they think they know. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like you, you knew that if he, you told him that, that he might feel obligated to tell me or that he would be obligated to tell me. Yeah. And he told me the first time too, like he was like... I'm not going to tell your mom anything that we talk about unless you're hurting yourself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, then I can't tell him about that. Mm-hmm. So you didn't feel like you had anyone to talk to? No. I mean, I had my friends, but that was about it. And your, But your and friends cut. Yeah. Even then, it was like, I don't know. I wasn't diagnosed yet, so it's like I wasn't as depressed or I w- my feelings weren't as meaningful or as justified as theirs. That's how you felt. No, that's what they would say. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because like I wasn't like the severity diagnosed. of their depression was was worse, worse because, because they'd been diagnosed. Yeah, so and it, they were on medication, and they like mm-hmm. they'd been going through it for longer, and it was like I really like minimized yeah, your feelings exactly. So then that put me down even more. I wondered though, also in addition, like that's one part of it, but when you're cutting and your friends cut, mm-hmm. is there like a bond there? Is that like something that you'd like do to? do together or talk to with each other. I know that sounds silly to say like sitting around cutting each other together, but that's a real, I think that's a really valid question. Like, do you all find that you do it and then you call each other and talk about it or you try to talk each other out of it or you do it together? What does that part look like? Well, um, it really depends on if your relationship with your friends are healthy Mm -hmm. because I've had unhealthy relationships with friends where they'd send me videos of them cutting or photos of them cutting. Oh, see, and I, yeah. didn't, I didn't even know that. Yeah. I'm like, I want names and numbers. No, I don't want it's but then my I business. I had, like, other friends where they're like, oh, I was cutting here and here and here, and we'll, like, show our scars. We'll, like, talk about it. We'll ask why and what happened and, like, what everything means, and we'll, like, get through it together. That's, mm-hmm. like, what a healthy friendship has done for me mm-hmm. and what it has looked like. Where you guys count on each other to like help each other yeah. not do that. Yeah, it's usually like friends that have gone through that and have stopped, mm-hmm. and then friends that I know continue to do that. It's like I try very hard to help them, but the reason that we don't talk as much is because they don't want help, mm-hmm. and they'll tell their parents, but their parents don't accept it that they're cutting. Yeah, okay. or they're just like, oh, you're just crying for attention. And then they'll come to me about it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, well, here's some positive things that you could do. And they're like, no, this is the only thing that works. This is the only way. And, you, and they believe that their parents aren't listening and that their parents are telling them like the, yeah. to cry for attention. Yeah. Hmm. That's pretty heavy, right? It's sort of like a denial of me thinking you can't be depressed or have anxiety. You're so young. Why would you, you know, and and you don't want to admit those things that my kid might be this because then it means this about my parenting. But to an extreme. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you came to me Mm -hmm. about the cutting, um, it was probably what, how long after you started a year or two? Uh, A year and a half. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I had, I had asked if you were, Mm because remember you had that big cut on your leg and you told me that the cat, had scratched your leg. Yeah. 
And then I had the bruises on my legs. For, and then I told you that it was from tennis. And then, mm-hmm. but like in tennis, like I would hit my legs with my tennis racket mm-hmm. when I like did something wrong as a form of punishment. Like I would hit myself with the tennis racket. Mm-hmm. And then the cutting stuff, and I know it's really common, the girls will hide it up on their upper... On their uh, side of their thigh. On the side of their thighs. I under their always, shorts and by their panty line. Yeah, I would always put it under my panty line. So mm-hmm. then, like, if you would come into the bathroom, like, it was hidden. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so then when you came and told me about it, mm-hmm. I, I have to, like, pat myself on the back because I really had I really held it together well during you that did. conversation. Yeah. A, I did not make it about me, which was amazing. Yeah. B, I waited until you left the room to have a full-blown meltdown. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was crying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like everything I had to put me aside and just be there as a person that you came to, not your mother. Yeah. And not anything else, mm-hmm. but just another, like, on a humanistic, like, human-to-human level. Yeah. And honestly, like, that was the best thing. It was so hard. Yeah. Because <laughs> I remember, like, you told me, and I said, okay. And I asked you how you felt about doing it. Mm-hmm. Did you feel better after you would cut? And you told me that you didn't. And that you felt shame. Yeah. Because, like, while I was doing it, I'd be like, oh, my God, this feels so good. And then afterwards, I would just be like, what did I just do? And then it's like... a like, a wave of regret goes over you, and then you're like, I need to do it again. Like, I deserve this. And then it just keeps going. Mm -hmm. And so my question was to you, if you don't feel good about it, Mm -hmm. then why do you keep doing it? It's just, like, it's hard to explain, really, because for me, it's different than, like, anybody else. Mm -hmm. Like, every single person is different, and I have many reasons. I could name... A bunch of reasons why I should cut, and then I can name ten reasons for every one of those mm-hmm. why I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. It's like, I deserve it for, like, something that I did wrong, or, like, something that I said. Or, like, it feels like a release of tension. It feels like just, like, letting everything move out. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And, like, just more stuff like that. But, like, for everybody, it's different. You know, it wasn't until we started talking about that, and and the question I think was phrased a little bit differently. It was if this if this doesn't make you feel good, then is there something else that we could be doing? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And we started to talk about different things we could do. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a moment, I believe, I don't remember if it was this conversation or another one shortly after. That was, I understand, even though cutting wasn't that wasn't necessarily available to me when I was a teenager as something to do to cope or to release. Mm -hmm. Um, But we did address the fact that like, I do understand why Mm -hmm. you want to do that and and the mindset and that release that you get from it. And I pointed out I'm covered in tattoos Mm -hmm. and there's a part of that that's there, that pain that you go through and that release that you get. And that was the first time I really identified that piece of, for me, why I've enjoyed tattoos is that it has allowed for me to sit through something that like hurts and there's a level of suffering involved. And then there's the aftermath. But I feel like after I have, I, I have this image on my body 
yeah. to take away with me that's symbolic to something else versus with the cutting. I'm like, you're going to have scars there mm -hmm. that will always remind you of something that you weren't happy about when you were doing it. Yeah. And so I suggested that maybe we'd get a tattoo. <laughs> so I was like, maybe if we can just, you know, take this moment in time where you're struggling and you're not feeling that great. And instead of scarring our body and looking back at that, we could get some small, some impression on your body that would remind us like this was tough and this was hard. But it meant something, and I'll carry that with me forever. Two years later, we're still trying to find an artist. <laughs> I know. Well, it's not that we haven't tried. We just want to be, we need to be, um, well, we're very picky about our artists. We don't want just anyone to do that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel that cutting is something that you still want to go to as a release? Oh, yeah. Like, sometimes I'm just like, man, I wish I had my old razor man I wish I like had this or that I wish I could just release you know mm -hmm. but then I remember like oh I threw it away for good like this is better I need to just sit and mm -hmm. I need to think about it or just not at all mm -hmm. it's one or the other like I need to move on past this because I know it will pass or I can think about why I'm feeling like this mm -hmm. I, I like that that sentence I threw that away for good that's a good one. Like, that's a good thought to repeat. I threw that away for good. Yeah. And I can sit through this. That's really good. I, I might steal that one. <laughs> Trademark. Trademark. Um, okay. So cutting was a way. Cutting is not an option for you currently. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about, we can go back a little bit into the depression and the anxiety because that's something that is a current in your, like that's in your wiring. That's something you experience and, and you deal with. And I've noticed that your anxiety becomes fever pitch during the school year. Yeah. I will have two to three breakdowns a week, depending on like how stressful it is. Mm -hmm. I'm constantly shaking my legs. As you know, no matter what's happening, I'm always shaking my legs. You're not right now. I just wanted to mention. Cause that. I'm, if I don't have them up to myself, like in a fetal position, then they're shaking. I thought maybe it's because we were in Hawaii and we're really relaxed. <laughs> no, it's just that I'm old. <laughs> Great. Great. No, I'm either uh -huh. fetal or I'm shaking. It's really bad. <laughs> I know. But people, are, people are probably listening like, should we call social workers? Sounds like she might not be okay. Is our mom even doing anything about this? <laughs> but then I'm like, damn, I can't sit in my fetal position like at school or anything or else people you are could. Gonna, it's just weird is it well like because we have those desks that are like connected to the chair so i'm like mm -hmm. hunched over <laughs> like in a ball yeah um so the, the the funny thing about your anxiety around school is that it's 100 like self-induced i have nothing yeah. like i know a lot of parents pressure their kids to do well in school and to play all the sports and do all the activities. And I'm like, Hey, <laughs> whatever, please don't play all the sports. Cause we do not have the bandwidth to get to all of that. Um, choose one thing and then just try. Graduate. <laughs> well, that was with your brother that became the, like, it, just graduate. Like I don't even care what it takes. Just get out of there on time with you. It has not been that it has been more like, wow, take a breath. Um, but I've told both of you, I believe consistently since school started to get a little bit more serious, mm -hmm. like basically when I wasn't able to help you with homework anymore because it was becoming more advanced than I was, I was like, wow, okay, 
you just do your best and whatever that looks like on paper and grade wise is good enough for me. Like mm -hmm. as long as you really are trying and you're doing the assignments and you're turning things in, I do not care if it's an A plus or a C minus. I just want you to enjoy doing the work, learning, whatever. Yeah. So to see how you've grown over the years into this person who like does her homework on a Friday night and will sit up at all hours and feel mm -hmm. this sense of urgency to get things done. Um, and it's self-imposed. It blows my mind. Yeah. Like on one hand, I'm like, Oh, that's amazing. That will really serve you. But then on the other, I can see how it does not serve you, but it's yeah. hard for me to say anything because yeah, I'm your mom. It's also like a very weird situation. A weird how? Like, all of my anxiety is self-induced. It's all like mm -hmm. because of me. Mm -hmm. So I can't blame it on you. <laughs> like I can't say this is your fault. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you can't help me. So it's just something I have to deal with mm -hmm. a little bit. And, and we also know that you hate when I coach you. Yeah. But we hate when I'm in mom mode too. So just no, I love your mom mode because you're like, well, no, I love mom mode where it's like, oh, honey, it's going to be okay. And you, like, hold me and you pat my back. I hate it when it's like, okay, what do you need to do to feel better? <laughs> so mom and mode has like... a spectrum. Like, <laughs> it ranges and we all know this. Here's, here's me, like, full transparency mom mode. When Faith was cutting or was depressed and had anxiety and I called that denial, what that was was, listen, we... <laughs> or the I'm not putting up with this. Anymore. I will I will not listen to this or deal with this. You will get it together. Like we are white knuckling, hard ingrained working people. Like you just deal with it. We're sad, we're depressed, and that is life. Like just move the fuck on. Yeah. Move the fuck on. Get over yourself. Like and I don't um, I definitely don't recommend that approach. Uh yeah. and that was like after you found my first cut after I told you. About it. I was very sympathetic the first conversation. Then after a few times, I was like, what the hell is even going on? Like, why are we doing that? Like, yeah. we're better than that. We're above that, which makes no sense. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say those things out loud, but that is truly what I was thinking and saying at the time. Like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. We're not going to do that. Yeah. Um, we have been through so much and we can like get through anything. And then I changed my approach after that because I realized like this is me in denial of like something that you're really dealing with that's very difficult. And I too have had to, I've found ways to deal that weren't healthy. Um, where was I going with that? Because I was talking about your schoolwork, self-imposed, oh, the mom thing. Yeah. And then I got to a place where it was like, yes, I just tried to kind of coddle and nurture. Mm -hmm. I like that. Everyone likes that, but it's very, it's not really me. Yeah. We all know that. Like but it's, that's very me. It's what you need. And it's like who I am. Right. But I just kind of feel like that's not helping anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas coach mom comes in and she's like, how does it feel to have anxiety? No, it's like I'm bawling my eyes out and you're like, so how does it feel? Where in your like, body are you feeling this? You're like, I'm crying. It's everywhere. <laughs> Like that one time where you were trying to coach me and I was like, I'm leaving this house. <laughs> and then I followed you around the house. Yeah. And you said, I don't need you to coach me. And I was like, that's, and I wasn't coaching at that time. And I was like, you want your mom? Here's your mom. And then I did. And then you were like, sit the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about this. 
and then we did. And then I went into coaching mode. And, and again, and I tell Laurel that too. I'm like, you guys don't want me to be your mom and friend because she's, she's not the nicest. Yeah. She doesn't sugarcoat. Coach mom sugarcoats and makes it about you and asks the questions to get to the answers that you need to find. And then you're like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, you got a bad grade on your homework. Maybe we should go on a run. <laughs> Maybe it would feel better if you went for a run. And Faith is like, I'd rather cut my legs off than go running with you anywhere ever. <laughs> I've been like the worst parent, though. Um, no. Okay, just sometimes. <laughs> Faith has this, Faith won't run with me. Uh, <laughs> it's a long story that basically is just about her being traumatized during a run for the breast research, a breast cancer research run or something. The breast cancer awareness month. The, yes. Is it the common, I don't remember what the run is actually called. It's but, the breast cancer awareness month. Right. March I don't, run. It's in October. But anyway, those are all, that doesn't matter. The point is, uh, every year we would go do this run and raise money through Teddy's for Betty's for it. And, and I was like um, nine years old. This <laughs> and we'd all be dressed up and uh, we were out there running. We'd sign us up for 5Ks every year and I didn't run. Okay, I think I'd that's like, very important. I'd like an opportunity to finish telling the story. <laughs> we'd be out there running and there's like all these people and there's music and there's pink tutus and costumes and everyone's smiling and it's supportive and I would sign us up for the time part of it like you can just casually do it or you can get time and so I'd sign us all up for the timed portion of the 5k and Faith would want to walk and that would really really bother me and one time when you wanted to walk and you were complaining that the run was hard and your legs burned I decided to make it a point to show you the people around you that were possibly dying of cancer and say, how do you think they feel? And you can't, like, how bad is it really just to feel uncomfortable, like, while running and people are out here dying of cancer? Like, come on. Like, that's the sort of shit that I said that day and have said about other things um, that I don't feel good about. <laughs> and I can understand if you never want to run another day in your life from that. But I apologized. It's okay, Mama. I do feel... But then it's also like, ever since then, it's like, keep running! <laughs> Don't stop! <laughs> the burning means it's working. <laughs> or, or, the more it burns now, the less it will burn later. Yes or no? That's true. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I think that the only times that um, I... Well, we don't have to talk about that anymore. Look, she learned. She learned. <laughs> we can move on. <laughs> I mean, running with you in, like... March in February was good because like I had a goal and I was trying to be like get to that goal mm -hmm. and we you knew how to do that and so it was easier to do that with you I couldn't the just goal of go training out. for you training you to run a mile under ten minutes yeah yes can we still talk about how angry you would get at me even though it had nothing to do with me <laughs> yes because like we'd be in the gym and you're like okay let's go run for twenty minutes. And I'd run for the full 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yes, good accomplishment. And then you would reach over and, like, tap up my speed. And I'd be like, no, Mom, like, I'm done. Like, I'm okay. done with cardio. I, I'm sorry. This, this is like, this, keep running. This is not how that story goes. <laughs> that is how the story It's goes. interesting because it actually went a little bit more like this. Hey, Faith, so before we go into the gym, I just want to let you know. You're going to get on the treadmill, and you're going to warm up for a little while. And then when it's time to do your mile... I'm going to increase your speed and then decrease your speed. 
and then increase your but that speed. Was a different time. There were several times, but I let you know ahead of time. That's called managing your expectations, because I had identified how angry you would get, and it wasn't me doing anything. Like you were just angry that you were run, like training to do this mile, and I didn't tell you you had to do it. It was something you chose to do. Yeah. Um, so yes, you would be on the treadmill running when I would reach over and increase the speed. And I swear to God, if she could blow flames out her face, she would have she would have scorched me right then and there, every time that I increased and decreased the speed. But what en- what ended up happening? I made it in like under nine minutes. You ran the mile in under nine minutes, but also you you also realized like during those moments of frustration on the treadmill and how angry you would get at me that it, you would apologize. Yeah. You were like, that wasn't about you. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. She hasn't run since. <laughs> I ran okay. yesterday. Oh, that's right. You did. You did yeah. your walk run. Not, But she refused to let me go. I was like, I'll just drive a golf cart next to you. And you're like, no. So I didn't go. I stayed here. Well, because I feel like you're going to judge me. There's, mm-hmm. I would not judge you. Everybody listening is like, what? She doesn't judge Keep me. Keep running. <laughs> now, whether or not I would push you is a totally different conversation. <laughs> no, I, would, I don't judge you. Anything. Never. Okay. We hit the anxiety and depression part. It's something you live with. It's something you impose on yourself. Mm -hmm. Do you use it as a form of like, does it motivate you? In a way, I have a fear of failure. Oh. Like a morbid fear of failure. You know, I wrote that down because you said that to me earlier. Where did I write that? Because that's a really, that's a deep statement for, I'm all for a 15 year old to say, which that's rude of me to say that. You said, I have a morbid fear of failure and letting you down and you was to me yeah even though like I know no matter what I would do grade wise it couldn't let you down right like you're just always gonna be supportive but for me it's like oh I got an 82 on a math quiz my mom's gonna kill me or like I got a two out of 100 (laughs) on a chemistry quiz what am I gonna do you know and it's like I'm so afraid to not pass or not be above average because of the fact that I've always been around friends who are smarter than me. Mm. And, like, I want to be smarter. I want to be better. Like, it's that kind of thing. Like, you feel like like they kind of, it's like, you know, you're chasing the carrot. Like, it kind of pushes you to to want to excel and be your best self. But it's also like, they're all that. Why am I not? Like, I should be like that. I'm going to push myself. And then I don't. Mm. And then I get mad at myself. And I'm like, this is why I'm not all that. This is why I'm, like, not what everybody thinks they are, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm also like, what if I don't get into college? What if, like, every college that I want doesn't want me back? Mm -hmm. What if I failed the big test? Yeah, I mean, those are really heavy thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I think when you have anxiety, um, or I know that when you have anxiety, things are very black and white. It's, if this doesn't happen, then this is going to happen. And there's not a lot of gray area for people to play in when they have anxiety. Everything is very much like, if I don't get the good grades, I don't end up in a good college and I'm homeless and poor. Yeah, and that's what I told myself all throughout middle school. And that's why I feel like so bad now. That it's just increased it. Now it's like, do you feel like you think habitually in those patterns now? Yes. Yes. Everything I do is based off of like how anxious I am. 
So one thing that we've been talking about recently is as I learn more about anxiety is mm -hmm. just actively accepting it, like identifying it when you have it in your body. Yep. Like, okay, I feel really anxious right now. And I do that. And then the second part is, because once you identify it, that changes, that gives you perspective of what's going on in your mind. And then our second step is to notice it in our body where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. And I like to break that process down. Like, where is it coming from? How fast is it moving? How slow is it moving? What color is it? Third, I like to start piecing apart the thoughts, the facts, and the drama. Mm -hmm. But I let me just say it the way the kids are saying these days. All facts, no printer. Yeah. Right? Does yeah. that make sense? But here's the thing. It, that doesn't work for me because if I don't deal with my anxiety, then it's going to flow into an anxiety attack or a panic attack. Like it's but what does deal with it mean? Up. Like, if I don't accept it, like how you say I should, it's going to just get bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. But isn't that what we're saying? Like, like when you actively accept it, you let your body feel it. It is scary to go through, though. Is it going like to kill you? My anxiety is scary. Well, that's, like, what an anxiety attack is. It's like you're feeling like you're about to die. Right. It is this one of my, the scariest feelings I've ever felt, except for this morning when I didn't realize you were in bed and then you startled me. <laughs> I was about to piss myself. <laughs> oh my god, that's like the most unladylike thing you've ever said on air. Because like I heard you down to, downstairs earlier and then like I went to wash my face and I like, I'm like, oh, I want my chapstick that I got yesterday. So I go into your room to like find it and then you just like come out with a quilt. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! So wait, you said, so... But when you identify this as like, oh my God, I feel anxious right now. I'm having, an, I'm about to have an anxiety attack because my reports do blah, 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 blah. When you say I'm about, I'm having an anxiety attack, that's identifying it. Yeah. That's what I do. And then can, and then what happens? And then there's a couple ways that this goes. Either I'll go to the bathroom and I'm crying in the bathroom, I'll sit in class and start crying in class, or I'm just sitting there, like, trembling, because mm -hmm. I'm so afraid, mm -hmm. and then I'll start crying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so either way... At any, but at, like, any, at any point, point during this, are you saying, okay, I'm going to let this anxious feeling wash over my body? It, I don't know how to do that. That's the thing. Is that okay. it's like, it's always, when it's happening, it's so... Big and, and drastic, mm -hmm. deafening. This is a really great description, Faith. Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. And we will be working on your anxiety. <laughs> but these coaching tips, these tools and skills are really, really, really good. I'm not just saying that. What about, let's talk about body image. Because I love that your generation is just all about that slim, thick, curvy yeah. body and I say I love that because it couldn't be more extreme than what I grew up with and what I was told and what I heard and that's why I love it it's like girls more often than not in this day and age are told to embrace their bodies accept those curves we have cellulite like that we never heard that see we hear that all the time mm -hmm. but not a lot of people feel that right nobody that I know does so do you feel like it's still just marketing and people talking, trying to get you to look in a certain way or to, and that if you have this body, you'll feel better, but nobody actually still feels better? I feel like they're trying their very best, 
but they're also targeting adults more than they are teenagers because it's also like we're going through hormones our bodies are constantly changing we don't know what's going on we're being told oh you you need to be skinny oh you need to not be this skinny oh you look anorexic oh you look fat mm-hmm. like every single thing mm-hmm. okay so even though it's being even though I, I just made the statement that in this day and age people your age are being told like curves are cool what is the snickers comment thicker than a snicker (laughs) is that a thing i haven't heard that no there's something about a snickers bar that's probably it but i don't i've never heard that slim thick all that stuff so even though they're marketing that and saying like curves are cool and it's okay you don't really feel like it is you're supposed to have like the tiniest waist and a big bust and a big butt but like no cellulite and no stretch marks Mm. no scars Oh my gosh. And that's where it is. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, you don't have that? Well, then you should be skinny and have big boobs and, like, a medium-sized butt. Oh, you're not that? Okay, we'll have a little bit of a smaller boob, but skinnier frame and a bigger butt. So much pressure to have and to look a certain way. To be the perfect person and have the perfect body. To look a certain way. That doesn't make you the perfect person, does it? But that's what we're being told, is that if you look like this, oh, everybody will like you. And you'll be happy. Yeah. Do you believe that's true? Yes. <laughs> you believe? Because I'm so unhappy sometimes because of my body. I feel like if my body was the way that I wanted it to be, mm-hmm. I would be 50% happier most of the time. You know, the thing that's really painful about this conversation is that... I'm your daughter. No. <laughs> is that I, I can relate to where your head is about it. And it's unfortunate because I know how long it goes on. Yeah. And it's like a never-ending conversation with yourself. And it's a never-ending battle to look a certain way to then, because you really believe that if I can, if I, if I'm thin, I'll be happy. If I can fit into these jeans, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. What if, like, if I could offer you, okay, you can have this thin body mm-hmm. or you can be happy. Which one would you take? thin body and still not be happy yeah because then I could work on my happiness but it's like we also know like nobody's truly happy I feel like but if I can offer you happiness Mm -hmm. and you could be happy you would still take to be prettier yes and try to get and try to find happiness somewhere else even though Mm -hmm. you just said and that's the world that we live in is that I would I would prefer to be prettier than I would be happy do you want to be the world that you live in? No. Mm-hmm. I want to be happy with who I am and what I look like. And mm-hmm. I try really hard to. Mm-hmm. But then I look around and I see that not a lot of people have the same frame that I do. Or the same shape. Mm-hmm. Car- Comparison is the killer of all. I said carrot. No. It's the killer of all. <laughs> no, carrots are not the killer. Comparison, it's kind of, it's a root of evil, right? Mm-hmm. Because it will, something will always look better. Yeah. The grass is always greener. Yeah, but the, no, the bum, the bummer part about it is that it will. I have, I mean, I'm almost forty, and my friends that are older and younger, like it is something that you carry with you your entire life, until you place where you start to realize like my worth is not based on what I look like. Yeah, those are, and those are hard lessons to learn. What do you think you'll do about it? Are you going to tell me to go run? No. Okay. No, I'm not. I don't know. 
I try my best to accept my body a lot. I try to think, oh, it's my body. Like, I should be proud. I should be happy. Like, like I can walk. I can run. I have a human body. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Is there... I have... Oh, well, of course, because you are like any other guest on here. I have two questions for you. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. If there was... Anything you could tell your younger self, knowing what you know now, mm-hmm. what would that be? Like a piece of advice. Um, that's a hard one, honestly. Uh, probably just to not think about how you look as much, because you're 12, and like, so what if you don't have eyebrows? You'll learn how to fill them in in a bit. amazing and then um (laughs) what is the obsession with brows of your generation is so good but here's the thing i grew up without them and i still like barely have eyebrows they're so blonde (laughs) they're so blonde and the tanner i get the blonder they get (laughs) faith has been looking for beard dye on this island since we (laughs) since before we got here should i amazon it what about their Costco? Do you think Longs has it? Can you check their Safeway? Does anybody have beard dye on Maui? But not for my actual beard. <laughs> for her brows. Okay, good piece of advice for the younger yeah. ones. And then what is the weirdest or most embarrassing thing you've ever done in a dressing room? In a dressing room? Mm-hmm. Um, probably just jump up and down, like when my boobs were starting to grow, and I was like, whoa, gravity. <laughs> How do you feel? Good. Did you enjoy? Yeah, let's do this again. Oh, I like that. Did you want to sign us off? Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dressing Room Confessions. That is a wrap with Dressing Room Confessions. Now listen up. I want to thank you for listening, but I have a favor. Uh, Just a tiny little favor. Head on over to the Anchor app. Download that. And when you do so, send me a message. Super easy. You'll see it on the homepage of my um, podcast. What do I want to hear? Well, I want to hear if you have any questions about what we just talked about or if you have any input or if there's something that maybe you want to talk about on my podcast. That is right. Are you looking to have an intimate conversation? I'd be way into it. What I don't want to hear is any sort of like aggressive or angry or, you know, creepy input you may have. If that's the case, unsubscribe and move on. All right. I'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you.